Section 9 of A Description of Millennium Hall and the Country Adjacent by a Gentleman on His Travels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. A Description of Millennium Hall and the Country Adjacent by Sarah Scott. The History of Miss Mansell and Mrs. Morgan, Part 7 Mr. Devorah had engaged the man to call on him the next day by telling him he believed he might be able to recommend a most valuable young person to his lady. He was punctual to his appointment and conducted Mr. Devorah and Louisa to Mrs. Thornby's, that was the name of the lady in question. Miss Mansell was dressed with care but of a very different sort from what is usually aimed at. All her endeavours had been to conceal her youth and beauty as much as possible under great gravity of dress, and to give her all the disadvantages consistent with neatness and cleanliness. But such art was too thin a veil to hide her charms. Mrs. Thornby was immediately struck with her beauty, and made some scruple of taking a young person into her service whom she should look upon as a great charge, and she feared her maid might require more attention from her than she should think necessary for any servant to pay to herself. Mr. Devora represented to her how cruel it was that beauty, which was looked upon as one of the most precious gifts of nature, should disqualify a young woman for obtaining a necessary provision, that this young person's prudence was so irreproachable as sufficiently secured her from any disadvantages which might naturally be feared from it but still he allowed her person would justly deter a married woman from receiving her and might make a cautious mother avoid it since her good conduct would rather add to than diminish her attractions therefore it was only with a single lady she could hope to be placed and he was well convinced that such a one would have reason to think herself happy in so accomplished a servant, since her mind was still more amiable than her person. Mrs. Thornby allowed what he said to be reasonable, and was so charmed with Louise's appearance that she assured him she would receive her with pleasure. She was in haste for a servant, and Miss Mansell had no reason to delay her attendance. Therefore it was agreed she should enter into her place the next day. When Lady Lampton took leave of Louisa, she would have forced her to receive a very handsome present. Louisa had accepted many while she lived with her ladyship, but at this time she said it would look like receiving a compensation for the loss of Sir Edward, and as she chose to sacrifice both her inclinations and happiness to her regard for Lady Lampton, she could not be induced to accept anything that looked like a reward for an action which, if she had not thought it her duty, nothing would have prevailed with her to perform. The tenderest affections of her heart were too much concerned in what she had done to leave her the power of feeling any apprehensions of poverty. All the evils that attend it then appeared to her so entirely external that she beheld them with the calm philosophy of a stoic and not from a very contrary motive. 
the insensibility of each arose from a ruling passion the stoics from pride hers from love but though she feared not poverty she saw it was advisable to fix upon some establishment as soon as it could be obtained and therefore received great satisfaction from being assured of mrs thornby's acceptance of her services mr devorah was not without hopes that if sir edward continued constant till lady lampton's death louisa might then without any breach of honour or gratitude marry him though to have engaged herself to do so would as she observed have been scarcely less inexcusable than an immediate consent therefore he advised her to assume another name as sir edward might not choose after she was his wife to have it known that she had been reduced to servitude louisa was accordingly received at mrs thornby's by the name of menil her good sense and assiduity enabled her to acquit herself so well in her new place as greatly delighted her mistress and though she concealed the greatest part of her accomplishments sensible they could be of no assistance and might on the contrary raise a prejudice against her yet her behaviour and conversation so plainly indicated a superior education that before she had been there a week mrs thornby told her she was certain she had not been born for the station she was then in and begged a particular account of her whole life louisa fearing that a compliance would render her less agreeable to her mistress who already treated her with respect which seemed more than was due to her situation and often appeared uneasy at seeing her perform the necessary duties of her place entreated to be spared a task which she said was attended with some circumstances so melancholy as greatly affected her spirits on a particular recollection mrs thornby's curiosity was not abated by this insinuation and she repeated her request in a manner so importunate and at the same time so kind that louisa could no longer without manifest disrespect decline it she began then by acquainting her that she went by a borrowed name but had proceeded no farther in her narration than to tell her that her real name was mansell and that she had been left to the care of an aunt in her earliest infancy by parents who were obliged for reasons she could never learn to leave their country when mrs thornby exclaimed my child my child and sinking on her knees with eyes and hands lifted up towards heaven poured forth a most ardent thanksgiving with an ecstasy of mind not to be described her first sensation was that of gratitude to the almighty power who had reserved so great a blessing for her maternal tenderness alone gave rise to the succeeding emotions of her heart she threw her arms round louisa who on seeing her fall on her knees and not comprehending the meaning of her action ran to her but struck with astonishment and reverence at the awful piety in her countenance and address bent silent and motionless over her mrs thornby leaning her head on louisa's bosom burst into such a flood of tears and was so oppressed with joy that the power of speech totally failed her louisa raised her from the ground crying dear madam what can all this mean 
what does this extreme agitation of your mind give me room to hope everything my child my angel that a fond parent can bestow replied mrs thornby i am that mother that was obliged to leave thee to another's care and has heaven preserved my daughter and restored her to me so lovely so amiable gracious providence merciful beyond hope teach me to thank thee as i ought for this last instance of thy goodness and then her whole soul seemed again poured forth in grateful adoration louisa could scarcely believe this event was real thus unexpectedly to meet with a parent whom she supposed lost to her for ever almost stunned her her thoughts were so engrossed by the raptures of her joyful mother that she did not feel half her good fortune and the delight she received in seeing her mother's happiness robbed her of every other sensation it was some hours before mrs thornby's mind was sufficiently composed to enter into any connected conversation from broken sentences miss mansell learnt that her father and mother by the complicated distress of ruined fortune and the too fatal success of a duel in which mr mansell was unwillingly engaged had been obliged to absent themselves from england they went to one of the american colonies in hopes of finding means to improve their circumstances leaving the young louisa then in her cradle with a sister of mr mansell's who readily undertook the care of her they were scarcely arrived in america when mr mansell was seized with a fever of which he soon died and with him all their hopes mrs mansell was left entirely destitute at a loss how to hazard the tedious passage home without the protection of a husband and with hardly a sufficient sum remaining to discharge the expenses of it her melancholy situation engaged some of the inhabitants of the place to offer her all necessary accommodations till she could find a proper opportunity of returning to england during this time mr thornby a gentleman who had acquired a fortune there saw her and was so well pleased with her person and conduct that he very warmly solicited her to marry him every person spoke in his favour and urged her to consent her poverty was no faint adviser and with general approbation at the conclusion of the first year of her widowhood she became his wife his affairs soon called him into a more inland part of the country to which she attributed her never having heard from her sister to whom she wrote an account of her husband's death but by what miss mansell told her she imagined her letter had not been received mr and mrs thornby continued in the same place till about two years before her arrival in england but his health growing extremely bad he was advised by his physicians to return to europe he wished to revisit his native country but was persuaded for the re-establishment of his constitution to spend some time in italy the climate at first seemed to relieve him but his complaints returning with greater violence he died in the latter part of the second year of his abode there his estate in the indies he bequeathed to a nephew who lived upon the spot but the money he had sent before him into england 
which amounted to forty thousand pounds he left to his widow he had desired to be interred at florence where he died as soon as the funeral was over and some other necessary affair settled mrs thornby set out for england where she no sooner arrived than she employed intelligent persons to find out her sister-in-law and daughter but had not received any account from them when her daughter was restored to her as the free gift of providence mrs thornby was now more desirous than ever to hear each minute particular that had befallen her louisa but louisa begged that before she obeyed her orders she might have permission to communicate the happy event to mr devorah whose joy she knew would be nearly equal to her own a messenger was dispatched for this purpose and then she related circumstantially all the incidents in her short life except her partial regard to sir edward lampton which filial awe induced her to suppress mrs thornby grew every day more delighted with her daughter as her acquired accomplishments and natural excellencies became more conspicuous on longer acquaintance her maternal love seemed to glow with greater warmth for having been so long stifled and louisa found such delight in the tender affection of a mother that she was scarcely sensible of the agreeable change in her situation which was now in every circumstance the most desirable all that fortune could give she had it in her power to enjoy and that esteem which money cannot purchase her own merit secured her besides all the gratification a young woman can receive from general admiration but still louisa was not happy her fears for sir edward's life while in so dangerous a situation would not suffer her mind to be at peace she might hope everything from her mother's indulgence but had not courage to confess her weakness nor to intimate a wish which might occasion her separation from a parent whose joy in their reunion still rose to rapture chance that deity which though blind is often a powerful friend did what she could not prevail on herself to do one morning the newspaper of the day being brought in mrs thornby taking it up read to her daughter a paragraph which contained an account of a battle in germany wherein many of the english were said to be slain but few of their names specified louisa immediately turned pale her work dropped out of her hand and a universal trembling seized her mrs thornby was too attentive not to observe her daughter's distress and so kindly inquired the reason that louisa ventured to tell her for whom she was so much interested and gave an exact account of sir edward's address to her her behaviour upon it and the great regard she had for him mrs thornby affectionately chid her for having till then concealed a circumstance whereon so much of her happiness depended and offered to write to lady lampton immediately and acquaint her that if want of fortune was her only objection to miss mansell it no longer subsisted for that she was ready to answer any demands of that sort which her ladyship should choose to make as she thought that she should no way so well secure her daughter's happiness as by uniting her with a gentleman 
of Sir Edward's amiable character, and whose affection for her had so evidently appeared. Louisa could not reject an offer which might rescue Sir Edward from the dangers that threatened him, and with pleasure thought of rewarding so generous and so sincere a passion. Perhaps she found some gratification in showing that gratitude alone dictated her refusal. The letter was immediately dispatched and received with great pleasure by Lady Lampton, whose esteem for Miss Mansell would have conquered anything but her pride. She accepted the proposal in the politest manner, and that Sir Edward might be acquainted with his happiness as soon as possible, dispatched her steward into Germany, ordering him to travel with the utmost expedition, and gave him Mrs. Thornby's letter, with one from herself, containing an account of the great change in Louisa's fortune. The servant obeyed the directions given him, and performed the journey in as short a time as possible. But as he entered the camp, he met Sir Edward indeed, but not as a future bridegroom. He was born on men's shoulders, pale and almost breathless, just returned from an attack, whereby his too great rashness he had received a mortal wound. He followed him with an aching heart to his tent, where Sir Edward, recovering his senses, knew him and asked what brought him there so opportunely to close his eyes and pay the last duties to one of whose infancy he had been so careful. For this servant lived in the family when Sir Edward was born, and loved him almost with paternal fondness, which occasioned his desire of being himself the messenger of such joyful news. The poor man was scarcely able to answer a question expressed in such melancholy terms, and was doubtful whether he ought to acquaint him with a circumstance which might only increase his regret at losing a life, which would have been blessed to his utmost wish, but incapable in that state of mind of inventing any plausible reason, he told him the truth and gave him the two letters. The pleasure Sir Edward received at the account of Louisa's good fortune, and the still greater joy he felt at so evident a proof of her regard for him, made him for a time forget his pains, and flattered the good old steward with hopes that his case was not so desperate as the surgeons represented it. But Sir Edward told him he knew all hope was vain. I must accuse myself, he said, of losing that lovely generous woman. What a treasure would have gladdened my future days had I not rashly, I fear criminally, shortened them, not by my own hand indeed, but how little different. Mad with despair, I have sought all means of obtaining what I imagine the only cure for my distempered mind. Weary of life, since I could not possess her in whom all my joys, all the wishes of my soul were centred, I seized every occasion of exposing myself to the enemy's sword. Contrary to my hopes, I escaped many times when death seemed unavoidable but grown more desperate by disappointment. I this morning went on an attack, where instead of attempting to conquer, all my endeavour was to be killed, and at last I succeeded. How fatally! Oh, my Louisa, continued he, and do I then lose thee by my own impatience? 
had I, like thee, submitted to the disposition of providence, had I waited, from its mighty power, that relief which it alone can give, I might now be expecting with rapture the hour that should have united us for ever, instead of preparing for that which shall summon me to the grave, where even thou shalt be forgotten, and the last traces of thy lovely image effaced from my too faithful remembrance. How just are the decrees of the Almighty! Thy patience, thy resignation, and uncommon virtues are rewarded as they ought. My petulance, my impatience, which, as it were, flew in the face of my Maker, and fought to lose a life which he had entrusted to my keeping, and required me to preserve, is deservedly punished. I am deprived of that existence, which I would now endure whole ages of pain to recall, were it to be done, but it is past, and I submit to thy justice, thou all-wise disposer of my fate. The agitation of Sir Edward's mind had given him a flow of false spirits, but at length they failed, leaving him only the more exhausted. He kept Mrs. Thornby's letter on his pillow, and read it many times. Frequent were his expressions of regret for his own rashness, and he felt much concern for the fear that Louisa would be shocked with his death. Her mother's proceedings convinced him she was not void of regard for him. He now saw that he had not vainly flattered himself when he imagined, from many little circumstances, that her heart spoke in his favour, and the force she must have put on her affections raised his opinion of her almost to adoration. He often told his faithful attendant that in those moments he felt a joy beyond what he had ever yet experienced. In believing Louisa loved him, but these emotions were soon checked by reflecting, that if she did so, she could not hear of his death without suffering many heartfelt pangs. He lingered for three days, without the least encouragement to hope for life, and on the last, died with great resignation, receiving his death as a punishment justly due to his want of submission in the divine will, and that forward petulance which drove him to desperation, in not succeeding to his wishes, just at the time that to his impetuous passions and short-sighted reason appeared most desirable. The afflicted Stuart wrote an account of this melancholy event to Lady Lampton, and stayed to attend Sir Edward's body home, that his last remains might be deposited in the family vault. Lady Lampton received these mournful tidings with excessive grief and communicated them to Mrs Thornby. Louisa, from the time of the messengers setting out for Germany, had been pleasing herself with reflecting on the joyful reception he would meet with from Sir Edward, and had frequently anticipated, in imagination, the pleasures she and Sir Edward would receive at seeing each other after so melancholy a separation. She now every hour expected him, and when Mrs. Thornby began to prepare her against surprise, she imagined he was arrived, and that her kind mother was endeavouring to guard her against too sudden joy. She attempted to break through the delay which must arise from all this caution, 
by begging to know if he was in the house desiring her not to fear any ill effects from his sudden appearance and rose from her seat in order to attend her mother to sir edward mrs thornby made her sit down again and with a countenance which spoke very different things from what she expected acquainted her with the fatal end of all her hopes louisa was shocked in proportion to the degree to which she was before elated she sunk lifeless in the arms of her mother who had clasped her to her breast and it was a considerable time before their cruel endeavours to bring her to her senses succeeded her first sensation was an agony of grief she accused herself of being the occasion of sir edward's death and from the unfortunate consequences of her actions arraigned her motives for them mrs thornby and mr devorah whom she had sent for on this occasion endeavoured to convince her she was no way to blame that what she had done was laudable and she ought not to judge of an action by its consequences which must always remain in the hands of the almighty to whom we are accountable for our motives but who best knows when they ought to be crowned with success when they had prevailed with her to exculpate herself her piety and patience made it the more easy to persuade her calmly to submit to the decrees of providence she soon saw that to suffer was her duty and though she might grieve she must not repine the good advice of her two friends was some support to her mind but her chief strength arose from her frequent petitions to him who tried her in sufferings to grant her patience to bear them with due resignation such addresses fervently and sincerely made can never be unavailing and she found the consolation she asked for her affliction was deep but silent and submissive and in no part of her life did she ever appear more amiable than on this trying occasion when her extreme sensibility could never extort one word or thought which was not dictated by humble piety and the most exemplary resignation that sir edward had had so just a sense of his own error and so properly repented his impatience was a great consolation and she hoped to meet him whom she had so soon lost in a state of happiness where they should never more be parted mrs morgan had borne a tender share in all louisa's joys and sorrows for in the frequency of her correspondence every circumstance that attended the latter was faithfully imparted though the communication was less free on mrs morgan's side who contrary to her natural temper acted with reserve on this particular induced by a double motive a belief that it was her duty to conceal her husband's faults and a desire to spare her friend from the pain of suffering participation in her vexations she longed to attend miss mansell in her affliction but dared not urge a request with which she knew mr morgan would not comply he lived entirely in the country and seemed to be totally insensible to the pleasure of contributing to the happiness of others all his tenderness was confined within the narrow circle of himself mrs morgan daily beheld distress and poverty 
without the power of relieving it for his parsimony would not let him trust her with the disposal of what money was necessary for her own expenses his sister always brought what they in their wisdoms judge requisite and mrs morgan was treated in those affairs like a little child in matters too trifling to come within mr morgan's notice miss susanna fearing her sister should enjoy a moment's ease took care to perform her part in teasing as if their joint business was only to keep that poor woman in a constant state of suffering to complete her vexation mr morgan who had always drank hard increased so much in that vice that few days passed wherein he was not totally intoxicated mrs morgan saw no means of redress and therefore thought it best to suffer without complaint she considered that by contention she could not prevail over their ill temper but must infallibly sour her own and destroy that composure of mind necessary to enable every one to acquit herself well in all christian duties by this patient acquiescence her virtues were refined though her health suffered and she found some satisfaction in reflecting that him whom she most wished to please would graciously accept her endeavours however unavailing they might be towards obtaining the favour of those on whom her earthly peace depended at this part of mrs maynard's narration we were again interrupted by dinner but the arrival of some visitors in the afternoon afforded lamont and myself an opportunity of begging her to give us the sequel and for that purpose we chose a retired seat in the garden when she thus proceeded the next six years of miss mansell's life passed in a perfect calm this may appear too cold an expression since her situation was such as would by most people have been thought consummate happiness mrs thornby's ample fortune enabled them to live in great figure and miss mansell's beauty and understanding rendered her the object of general admiration had her conduct been less admirable she could not but have acquired many lovers it is not strange then such as she was that she should be addressed by many men of distinguished rank and fortune wherever she appeared she attracted all eyes and engrossed the whole attention mrs thornby more delighted with the admiration paid her daughter than she herself carried her frequently into public and kept a great deal of company louisa could not be insensible to general approbation but was hurt with the serious attachment of those who more particularly addressed her as she was determined never to marry thinking it a sort of infidelity to a man whose death was owing to his affection for her she always took the first opportunity of discouraging every pursuit of that kind and restrained the natural vivacity of her temper lest it should give rise to any hopes which could end only in disappointment she endeavoured to make publicly known her fixed determination never to marry but as those resolutions are seldom thought unalterable many men flattered themselves that their rank and fortunes with their personal merits might conquer so strange an intention 
and therefore would not desist without an express refusal in the seventh year after mrs thornby's return into england she was taken off by a fever and left miss mansell at twenty-four years of age in possession of forty thousand pounds a fortune which could not afford her consolation for the loss of so tender a parent having nothing to attach her to any particular part of the kingdom she more than ever longed to settle in mrs morgan's neighbourhood but feared to occasion some new uneasiness to her friend and was sensible that if when vicinity favoured them they should be denied the pleasure of each other's company or very much restrained in it the mortification would be still greater than when distance would not permit them to meet she had the satisfaction of hearing from her friend that mr morgan seemed to esteem her more than for some years after their marriage and often gave her reason to think he did not despise her understanding and was well pleased with her conduct the truth was this gentleman's eyes were at last opened to the merits of his wife's behaviour the long trial he had made of her obedience which was implicit and performed with apparent cheerfulness if compared with his sister's conduct could not fail of appearing in an amiable light when he was no longer beset with the malicious insinuations of susanna who had bestowed herself on a young ensign whose small hopes of preferment in the army reduced him to accept that lady and her fortune as a melancholy resource but his only certain provision this alteration in mr morgan's temper gave mrs morgan and louisa room to hope that he might not always continue averse to their becoming neighbours while they were flattering themselves with this agreeable prospect mr morgan was seized with a paralytic disorder which at first attacked his limbs but in a very short time affected his head so much as almost to deprive him of his senses he was totally confined to his bed and seemed not to know any one but his wife he would take neither medicine nor nourishment except from her hands as he was entirely lame she was obliged to feed him and he was not easy if she was out of the room even in the night he would frequently call to her if she appeared at his bedside he was then contented being sure she was in the chamber but would fall into violent passions which he had not words to express for he was almost deprived of his speech if she did not instantly appear when miss mansell heard of his deplorable situation she was under the greatest apprehensions for her friend's health from so close and so fatiguing an attendance and begged she might come to her as he was then incapable of taking umbrage at it the offer was too agreeable to be rejected and these ladies met after so long an enforced separation with a joy not to be imagined by any heart less susceptible than theirs of the tender and delicate sensations of friendship louisa was almost as constantly in mr morgan's room in the daytime as his wife though she kept out of his sight and thus they had full opportunity of conversing together for though the sick man often called mrs morgan 
yet as soon as he saw she was in the chamber, he sunk again into that state of stupefaction, from which he never recovered. Mrs. Morgan put a bed up in his room, and lay there constantly. But as he was as solicitous to know she was present in the night as in the day, she could never quite undress herself the whole time of his sickness. In this condition, Mr. Morgan lay for three months, when death released him from this world, and brought a seasonable relief to Mrs. Morgan, whose health was so impaired by long confinement and want of quiet rest that she could not much longer have supported it, and vexation had before so far impaired her constitution that nothing could have enabled her to undergo so long a fatigue but the infinite joy she received from Miss Mansell's company. End of section 9